Hi everybody, Greg here. And before we begin, I just wanted to say we had a slight technical difficulty that definitely is not my fault or just my being lazy that made my audio sound weird on the first segment of this show, but it gets better from there. So keep listening. And hey, keep watching them movies. Welcome to Movie of the Year. The only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. A long 10 to 12 week battle, depending on how you've been counting, ends tonight. This is part one of the season finale of 2001 Movie of the Year. I'm your host, Mike Ravagno, and I'm very excited for what this episode will bring. And with me, as always, is... My best friend and my second best friend, Grind and I don't remember who's who, so Grind and Greg. I believe I'm the best friend currently. I thought for sure you were going to say my best friend and my second best friend, Greg. Greg. Ryan's not in the top two. Or Greg. But no wonder you can't predict who the winner was from last week, Mike, because of course we all know this is the most unpredictable night in Hollywood. The most unpredictable night. Okay, that's much better than you definitely know what's going to happen tonight. It's the in most predictable night in Hollywood. Any, literally anything can happen. I'm so excited for tonight. This is my favorite night of the, you know, that we do, get to do four times a year or so. And uh, why, why are we doing all of the movie watching in between? Let's just have finales of different years yeah. every week. Like next, what if we next week, did 1982? It with no knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I remember Spies Like Us. I guess that's the winner. And now it's the winner. Congratulations to Spies Like Us. Do you think that would be as fun, Ryan? Your 1927 movie of the year is Intolerance. <laughs> Check my dates on that, Internet. Get back to us. Let us know how I did. That's probably also like the uh, emotion that won that year. Yeah, that's what most people were feeling. <laughs> God, I'm feeling so intolerant right now. <laughs> Me too. Isn't Intolerance the one he made because he's like, okay, everyone's mad about my Ku Klux Klan movie. How about a movie where I talk about how we're all mean to each other? Yeah, he's definitely one of those people who has a bumper sticker that says, I'm not racist. I hate everyone equally. <laughs> uh, I'm an equal opportunity offender, all right? I hate that I thought that brand of stand-up died in the late 90s. And then Joe Rogan's like, nope, we're not going away. Joe Rogan, podcaster and political force. Uh, how do we think 2001 did as a year? I'm asking for your self-evaluations right now, John. Uh, as 2001's favorite program Winamp would say it really whipped the llama's ass okay 2001 absolutely whipped the llama's ass uh this is not answering your question mike but i am pretty sure that this is not a scored episode of movie of this the is, year this is not i was gonna uh thank you i was going to point that out but it's always nice to have a pedant on there these are meaningless points but i still know what it's doing to the panelists but anyway, just to jump back onto uh, the bit that Greg started, I feel like what we did is we became a tiny little triangle and we subspaced our way all the way through this year. I don't really know subspace the way I knew Winamp, but I'll give you a pity point. <laughs> These are not real points, everybody. <laughs> These do not matter. Just a no, quick reminder. With it in the rear view, we're slowly leaving it behind on the side of the road. Do you feel like we did... 2001's Justice. Are there films that should have been in this bracket that we fucked up on? 
Yeah, I mean, AI is eligible for Moody's, but not to win. And that's something that uh, me and Greg have an issue with, but not Mike. Right, who's it only... would not have won, so I think it's fine as the Patreon show. He, he only saw it once and therefore is stupid. Um, and Amelie's not here. But as as an eight, I think it sort of was perfect as like sort of like uh, covering all the bases. And we had every type of movie. We had the surprise that we always like. We always like the like uh, nobody's heard of. Uh, thing sort of weasel its way into the Elite Eight. Uh, we had big, huge, like blockbuster movies. We had the movies that we feel are overrated, so we should probably give them another shot. I thought these eight were great together. Yeah, it was a nice representative chunk, but having just done the Patreon show with AI, it, that that's been the one that has stuck a little bit. I think that it would have had a puncher's chance. Mike is a, is against it, but we both like it, Ryan. So you got to imagine that, you know, our votes count double That's as contestants. Right. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> That's rigged. But yeah, it, you know, I think that there are probably, what would you say, like four movies that are among the best we've ever seen on this yeah. show. And that's pretty good for one year. I would say a solid half. I think that the one thing that we didn't get that we sometimes look for, and it's because we did 2001, not 2002, when we did 2001, we were like, oh, fuck, 9-11. You know, and this is, these all came out before or too soon after. I think it went... Too soon. <laughs> when we do 2002, I think that it's all we're going to be able to talk about. But for right now, I think that the, for a lot of the stuff, it's just like the last gasp of happiness and... Yeah, the, the Clinton prosperity years. Yeah, and like uh, movies can still just be, they can be good and sort of popcorny at the same time not all of our movies i mean we did a michael haneke movie this year but uh what i do like this year versus 1999 our inaugural season uh that year every movie was about i'm white and successful and isn't that boring yeah. and at least now people are like what if we told interesting stories again <laughs> and i liked that that it started to expand because yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're at the point now where uh, I'm white and male and isn't that boring is boring, you know? And yeah. now we got to get away from that a little bit. I'm white and have a sword and I'm a secret prince. That's not boring. Ocean's uh, Eleven. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. All right. Enough shenanigans. Are you guys ready? Do you no, feel we're not. Comfortable? I, I gotta do, do you guys want to know the numbers or... Do you guys Give hate- us those numbers. I don't know what this means. I feel Let like the me numbers know what this means the numbers sort of like reveal too much when I tell you guys how many uh, Moody's each movie was nominated for. Oh, like does that sort of pop the bubble? Nah. Pop All right, that bubble. Nominated for three awards was Donnie Darko, Lord of the Rings, and Spirited Away. Part of that is very shocking to me. We hate that. We hate it. I don't know. I don't know if they think they deserve more or less, but the crowd hates it. Um, four awards is the piano teacher and the royal tenenbaums. Mike Chutney. AI yes. artificial intelligence was nominated for seven Moody's tonight. Seven. Is that a? Is that a? Uh, what is? What's that word? Record? It's a record for the movie AI. Wow, good for you. AI. It has never been nominated for more Moody's than right now. Um. <laughs> Coming in with eight, meaning that they're equal movies, is Itu Mama Tambien and Ocean's Eleven. Hmm. 
And Mulholland Drive has 10 Moody nominations tonight. I don't think it gives it away. I think that... Silencio. I, I don't think we have Silencio. 10 awards. So good for Mulholland Drive. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Well, with that knowledge, we are going to dive right into our first battle. Spirited Away versus the Royal Tenenbaums. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye! Your number one seed of 2001, Spirited Away, is up against your number nine seed of 2001, The Royal Tenenbaums. Both of those seed ratings surprise me. <laughs> Explain. Yeah. Uh, in the rear view, I totally get why Spirited Away is number one. But for a cartoon to be number one, it's just more than I. I hey, shout out to Letterboxd, our, our grandpappy, for all of the, these rankings. I'm shocked because uh, I would expect a lot of people to be like a cartoon. But okay, don't you think it also might have what is it, weeb factor? I feel like Letterboxd. No. No. I don't know what weeb means. Is like a American person that really likes Japanese culture. I feel like oh. the letterbox scores. I feel like all the anime is is ranked very highly. And um, hey guys, uh, is this your first season of fucking movie of the year, or have you guys done uh, all of the seasons where literally every year whatever um, this Studio Ghibli did is in our bracket? Like we oh, have. No, it's not surprising that it's in the bracket, but number one seems high. And Royal Tenenbaum is not technically in the top eight brackets that's surprising i agree i can see that i can see what you're you're saying with that you know if if somebody had said royal tenenbaums is the number one seed and spirited away is the number nine seed would that have would that be shocking i mean not in terms of quality of movie but in terms of like popularity from the year cultural footprint i can see all that i think that would be more shocking to me is if Roy, if, if they were switched, uh, not I do everybody think, has taste, Ryan. And, and it's, okay, that, it's that a makes, curse. That, You're cursed. It makes my life fucking suck. Yeah, I you know. know. Like you're stupid. Um, you should just like garbage like me. I think that. <laughs> I, think that <laughs> I think there's a strong Wes Anderson backlash that, uh, like, people don't like how much he's beloved, and then they and, and I, I feel like we're too, right like, in the, we're people, right in the middle of that, right? Like it's kind of this swell. It's kind of like has built up. We're like yeah. a, I feel like this is like kind of the peak of it. I didn't really like the fucking the the Steve Zissou movie, and ever since that, his third movie, I've been like, yeah, he's not that great. And then I every single time after that, he's released a movie, I've been like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, uh, no, he's incredible. Yeah, he's, he's good he's, at he's movies. Yeah, he's good he at movies. A stumble. I also didn't see the Darjeeling Limited. 
I love Darjeeling. Lemon. Yeah, you know, I feel like the jury's still out on that one, but I remember really liking it. I haven't seen it in a while, but there's like, you know, there's a Porsche 964 in it, and that's pretty cool. If you guys I owned it on DVD. If you guys know for a fact that you have seen every movie of a particular director except for one, but you don't want to see it, will you seek it out just so you can get completion? I would now. That used to not matter to me, but since we started doing this show, I find if I really like a movie, then I notice its director, which I never used to do because I'm a movie idiot. Uh, And now I'm a little bit more of a completionist with directors than I used to be. So if I was one away, I think I'd complete the set, even if I didn't feel like it because it's just two hours right but i don't want to fucking watch it is it do you not want to watch it are you saving it so like nobody can say you're a twee wes anderson fuck face like no it just like it i have never felt the need living in society like nobody's ever been like you've never seen darjeeling unlimited Mm, uh or limited the other sheep my other one is spielberg (laughs) i have seen literally everything except for the adventures of tintin and i've seen warhorse i've seen warhorse of course (laughs) i have this dude's seen War Horse. Anyway, I, I I want to. Maybe I'm going out on a limb here. But I would like to talk about how important the Royal Tenenbaums was to me at the time and now. Because to me, this feels like... I, I'm At the time of this recording, I'm right now all about Orson Welles. I watched Citizen Kane the other day. I'm so excited for Mank. Uh, after Citizen Kane, Orson Welles made The Magnificent Ambersons. And I feel like uh, Wes Anderson... To go from Rushmore to this, you know, I, uh, forgetting Bottle Rocket, I think is sort of that. Like, I think that he showed in so many ways how he is sort of capable of all the stuff that was in Rushmore and even more. Yeah, it does feel like um, he took Rushmore up to a, a new level, specifically. I mean, uh, of all the other movies that it seems engaged with. If you had asked me like 10 years ago, I would have imagined this would be the movie Royal Tenenbaums that was most likely to win 2001. And now, without anybody hating it or anything like that, I don't feel like it's really fully in the running. And to be matched up against Spirited Away is, I think, a very um, galvanizing matchup because the fact that it there's not, in my mind, more of a competition, is a, that's a little bit surprising to me. This right. feels to me like akin to a, a Slammy D. It, it, it feels like one, like we have grown into who we are and it is Royal Tenenbaums is great. And there's killer performances and impeccable direction, but it is kind of a shallow movie. Yeah. It, it, even though it like, it very much wants to be like, we're talking of deep stuff, but it's not really, it's a pretty shallow, fun movie. But I mean like this, that's why this podcast is just like terrible and hurtful is because <laughs> there's so many other movies from 2001 that, Royal Tenenbaums could go up against, you know, yes. uh, and just uh, just coast. But if you like, if we lose Royal Tenenbaums forever, if we're never allowed to watch it again, I that that's the rule here. I, I know it's taken like eight seasons of movie of the year to announce that, but from any given year, we're only allowed to watch the winner, <laughs> right? Once it's crowned. <laughs> There's so many 1999 movies I want to go back and watch. That's and why I always say, what movie do you want to watch right now? That's why I always say it, because you're not going to have the choice. We spent so much money going through Mike's DVD collection and replacing every uh, DVD uh, from a 99 movie with the Eyes Wide Shut mm-hmm. DVD. So he goes to watch American Pie. That's just Eyes Wide Shut, baby. If, they, if Royal Tenenbaums went away, we have other Wes Anderson movies. If Spirit Away went away, I know that we have other Ghibli movies, but... 
for me, it's a bigger loss. Like this is this is the pinnacle of yeah. I think the studio in a way, and like offers so much more than. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Uh, <laughs> that was not me, by the way. Everyone's gonna think I just fucking coughed and jizzed all over myself. Um, I just like there's there's so few movies that do what Spirit Away does. Like, yeah, it's it's to 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 blend the modern to do a modern fairy tale and hit harder than so many fairy tales in the past did, and look as beautiful as it is. It's it's so fucking good, man. I love Royal Tenenbaums. I really do. It's weird because Royal Tenenbaums is the more realistic of the two. Um, you know, Spirited Away is like the fairy tale. And yet I think one of the biggest strikes against Royal Tenenbaums for me is the universe is like too kind and permissive and caring of the characters. And so it doesn't feel very real in Spirited Away. Like you'll get fucked up any second, man. And that yeah. feels so real to me that like at any moment you could just get quote spirited away unquote but I mean, yeah, like, in, in, and, in trying to make a fairy tale about this mythical new york he's made it too safe right yeah yeah i mean like it, it it's very purposefully a fairy tale as much as spirited away is like that's sort of alec baldwin's existence in the movie but right. anderson the people who knock anderson uh some of them will say that the way that people talk and relate to each other in his movies is basically him putting his arm out and like mm-hmm. not letting you in like mm-hmm. it's so stylistic that there's just no way to do it gentlemen legally i think it's clear but i have to call for the vote greg yeah i'm a spirited away guy ryan yeah this is spirited I, away i think this is this has actually the best vegas odds of taking this whole thing down it is the number one seed for a reason yeah right we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back it's time for awards Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check them out it is time for the moody's everybody's favorite part of the night just like the oscars we give awards to people we're much better than they are but just like them we're gonna start with a big one best supporting actress ryan what are the nominations your nominees for best supporting actress are as follows greg Yes, me? Wow. wow, oh my god. I'm one of the gals, finally. We like you. We really like you. From the Toy Story 2 episode of Movie of the Year. It's Greg. <laughs> uh, the first one, Greg, is Anne Gerdeau from The Piano Teacher. This is The Mother. Yeah, okay. So everybody does a really good job in this movie. But the mom, in some ways, is like the most intriguing character because she is not always as obviously crazy as the main character but is obviously a big part of the reason why the main character is crazy and that's a lot to like 
play in just the few scenes that she's actually in the movie. I guess luckily one of them is like an actual like fist fight, but she keeps vacillating in between um, like pathetic and threatening and like domineering and dominated. And it like, it's a, it's quite a performance. I do think that typically this character is someone that you're supposed to hate and want off screen. You know, like it's almost like that uh, sitcom mother-in-law of like, mm-hmm. oh God, she's so awful all the time. But I at no point through this entire movie was like, she's 100% at fault. You know, like yeah, the movie doesn't do that. Well, yeah, but and it, I think it shows that she's so deviously and regularly and mundanely evil. Yeah. Because she was 100% at fault at some point, but then the piano teacher had enough agency to stop buying into it. And instead she kept buying into it. But the mom, I think there's something so dangerous of being unhinged, but knowing how to act in everyday society. And she does that yeah. in a way that her daughter does not know how to do. And so th- that's that, like that normie charm that can really fuck somebody up. And th- this actress does it so well. And she has the most messed up line in the movie of a lot of messed up lines, which is she says, never let your students get better than you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is the opposite of what the previous generation says, but it's, definitely how the previous generation feels like they do not want you to ever be more successful your next nominee mike if that is your name is Anne helica houston from the already gotten rid of royal tenenbaums i mean she's in the loser movie so we don't need to talk about her yeah we might as well just continue to do the movie as dirty as possible she does so well i think she's even though everybody when they talk about her does nothing but fawn. I feel like she's one of the too oft forgotten and underrated actresses. Uh, she should be in more things always and brings the most humanity out of most of these characters. But then also like, it's so easy to say it's only Royal, but the more you think about it, how much she fucks these kids up mm-hmm. uh, and she injects that. And it's cause she has that humanity that you don't see that she is also a pretty awful parent. Uh, and she walks that line very well. Yeah, it's funny that the, the the two picks back to back because you're less exposed to how the the ways in which she is literally a bad parent, but mm-hmm. obviously the reason you know parenting is kind of a results oriented business. So like you look <laughs> at the kids and clearly they, business is booming. <laughs> she pushed them way too hard. She made them try to be something they weren't, and right. she gave them an image of like what they had to be to earn her love. Um, and all that is beneath the surface of Angelica Houston's otherwise can, like totally angelic <laughs> performance. She's so great. This was the movie that really cemented for me that like I just am in love with her. You know, like I I watched Adam's Family Values like in the same couple week period that we did Royal Ten. Yeah, same. Here. I was like, oh, I how could I have forgotten my first celebrity crush? I love her so much. <laughs> See, for me, it was uh, Royal Ten Bombs, and then in the same week, I watched Captain EO, like I do every week, and uh, she's the villain who is created beautiful uh, by the power of Michael Jackson music, and yeah, she's ju- she's just the pinnacle of beauty, I would say. Yeah, the, her bone structure is amazing. Mike, what about this one? <laughs> Mike, Mary McDonald from Donnie Darko. I can't marry her. I'm already married, Ryan. That would be illegal. Not with that Is attitude. That the mother? Again, are we doing more moms? Greg, Mary McDonald from moms, Donnie Darko. Moms. 
And this is the mom, right? The president from Battlestar Galactica? This is, yeah, she retired from presidency and uh-huh. raises a crazy kid. You know, uh, this is one of those performances where she doesn't have a lot of time and she doesn't have a lot of space. And that's what makes her performance all the more interesting. Um, of all the people at the end of Donnie Darko's like sacrifice that they all seem to be aware of and haunted by... Uh, the most enduring image of the movie is Jenna Malone and uh, her like waving to each other. What yeah. up, bro? <laughs> and like the weird little smile she has, like, and you can see the relief and sadness. Uh-huh. And, like, I don't know what to do here, so I'm still going to do normal neighborly things and wave. But she carries that energy basically throughout the the entire performance. Both the parents are really good in this. I I yeah. agree. I think that they're both good, but the dad is just like borderline sitcom dad, just like a fucking yeah. shuddy idiot. Um, he straight up is sitcom dad. <laughs> I remember the mom just being this like vicious, like the first time I saw it, Mary McDonald being this like vicious, drunk, evil person. And there's so much more nuance than that. That's because when you saw it, you were really related to Donnie. Right. <laughs> and then you've grown up. And now I'm Frank, baby. But when you know that, they, like when you kind of conceptualize in the movie that they're all trapped by the experience, you know, he's not the yeah. only one that's stuck in it. Like some of that behavior, it gets more excused. There's a scene where she's like, uh, uh, our, our, our child just called me a bitch. And the dad's like, well, yeah, just that's what happens. <laughs> and then wants, you know, ladies. wants to move on with his life, but it really fucks her up. You know, like she tries to like uh, do this whole, uh, you know, you can't take me down. Like nothing can affect me thing. But that's not actually how it works. Uh, Greg. Yes. Your next nominee. Is of course Frances O'Connor. She's a mom-ish from AI artificial intelligence. Yeah, talking about moms that you're maybe too into. <laughs> we addressed in the Patreon episode the weird sort of energy that exists between mommy and David. Um, Did, and I'm getting, so fucking, there? I'm getting hot right now. <laughs> don't call her mommy it's fucking it's doing things to me <laughs> he does throughout the entire movie and it's so weird because part of what's effective about his performance is the way in which he manages to make things creepy not in a very overt way but just like there's just something about the way he calls her mommy throughout the movie that's just like so unsettling <laughs> the crowd is into it you know um i think it is hard to have the type of performance she has to give where it's like it takes her a while to open up to this thing and then she loves it like a mother does and then she drops it in the woods and fucking books it and then comes back as a dream like but because like is that is that more evidence of love right like i love you so much i have to let you go yeah that's the throwing the rocks at the dog or the henry and the henderson's Encino Man. Harry. It's called Harry fucking and Harry and the Hendersons. You're on a movie podcast. Please don't Harry say Harry and the Encino oh, Man. I, I watched the one that was like by Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> it was Henry and the Hendersons. Uh, but, you know, I, I think she's kind of hampered by the same thing that I, I felt like with a lot of the performances in this movie, which is the fairy tale aspect of it and the necessity mm-hmm. that she play that in a fairy tale way. Uh, to me, I I don't think it's woodenly. Yeah, puts it quite up on par. But yeah, like the I, other performance. I think that's why I like this nominee so much is because she was basically said, uh, "We don't care. Like, uh, do something. Like, the script does not. You don't have like good dialogue. Just do whatever." And then, so she really had to sell a lot of stuff with face and eyes. You know, and mm-hmm. I think she does do a good job. Greg, your final nominee is Julia Roberts from Ocean's Eleven. In a 
like movie with a lot of performances, a lot of exciting performances. Hers is the most grounded, and I think that makes the movie way more interesting because she could have just been an empty character. But Which instead, the movie sort of wants her to be right. Like, uh, yeah, no, this is she's for just boys. Too goddamn good. She's like literally referred to as the stakes several times. Uh, and she, even with that in the script, Julia Roberts is like, I think this person would be a person. And yeah, what if <laughs> she was fully fleshed out? I, I think there's a, all, all the dudes are just like, look how cool I am or so ego driven. And she's just competent and good at her job and know what she wants. And there's something to have that oasis in a sea of desperate grasping. Yeah. Which is the rest of the characters, uh, is is intriguing. I think and as cool as they want to be, they're so involved in how they look and how they appear mm-hmm. at every moment. And that isn't that the antithesis of cool, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all just grooming. Um I saw somebody talk about her the other day in this movie in that they they were saying that like in this movie that's supposed to be basically about uh big Hollywood and stars and how much we love stars, she's the one who comes in and outshines everyone as a star and outperforms everyone as an actor. Like she does both better than anybody else in this movie, and I agree. All right, yeah, I agree with that, good. gentlemen. Your nominees are Anne Gerdau from The Piano Teacher, Angelica Houston from The Royal Tenenbaums, Mary McDonnell from Donnie Darko, Francis O'Connor from AI Artificial Intelligence, and Julia Roberts from Ocean's Eleven. A lot of mom energy here, but I I, I do think this is like this is kind of a kick-ass five. Where do you think the envelope's going to land? I'm just so glad that women can play any type of role. They can play older mom, younger mom, mom, stakes to be stolen from a casino. (laughs) Like 2001 Hollywood understands the female condition. I think it's going to be not from Hollywood and instead um, Girdo from uh, Piano Teacher. I know what we like. Yeah. That sounds right. Is that because it's just it's the most serious movie? And, and it's a stellar performance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. W- w- with a lot of range and a lot of questions. You know, you, you're left over wondering exactly what is going on with this woman and what has really happened in this family. All right. And your winner is. Crinkly, crinkly. It's Andrew Doe from The Piano Teacher. Woo! Greg got it. Heck yeah. Can- Congratulations, Anne Doe. We are getting and played Greg. off right now, but you can come down, and Greg, to a lesser extent, much, <laughs> much lesser extent, you can come on down to the YPF Studios in sunny Burbank, California, and pick up your award and cash prize. When we come back, cash prize has battles. been spent. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny, or very sad, and perhaps now you have something to think about, or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies this one hurts this one hurts guys it's your number five seed mulholland drive versus your number 13th seed which is shocking e2 mama tambien Oh, wow. That is a low seating. Second battle Dang, that we've 13? had. Uh, somebody outside of the top eight seating come in. I think we did a lot of fucking up of Letterboxd's 2001 list. Yeah. It means, well, Letterboxd had, it was like, wasn't Harry Potter great, guys? And then we pooped right on their opinion. No, thank you. It was mediocre. At best. And we only want to talk about really good or really bad movies movies not the mediocre harry potter defines nothing but turfs 
This is a cruel, cruel yeah, I don't talk fucking bullshit because one of these movies could have been Donnie Darko and then the other one could have just yeah. waltzed right in. Alfonso Coron already won uh, in 2018 with Roma. Uh, he is canonically my favorite director. And Two Mama Tambien is, I don't know, maybe his best movie. But it's, this movie's better than Roma, right? Uh... I think I, so. I'd have to watch. Yeah, I've seen this one so many more times. I've only watched Roma once, so I'm not yeah. sure. It's crazy that uh, as sometimes if I'm feeling really down, I'll I'll watch it to lift my spirits, Ryan. And I refer to that as aroma therapy. <laughs> thanks for thanks for everybody for making space for me on that one. You saw that I was doing right something. Now, you let me have my right space. Now. If Greg's if yes, if Greg's yes, gonna start are. saying that shit, then why am I even on this show? I specifically asked Greg not to be able to say <laughs> shit like that. That is your role. Greg's here to be empathetic and thoughtful, and you're here to make those kinds of jokes. So I don't know, man. That's um, you got to go talk. To I legal. just realized that uh, canonically, um, in the like late '90s, early 2000s, there were the three Mexican directors that like blew up, uh, that like became yeah. famous. Canonically, Mike's favorite director is Guillermo del Toro, one of the three. Greg's favorite director oh, yeah. is Corone, one of the three, and my least favorite director is the other guy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're yeah, Southern we California boys. <laughs> what can I say? I want to eat burritos for dinner. I want to watch Nacho Libre at night. <laughs> okay, that wasn't directed by any of them. <laughs> I'm letting you know. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a movie about the people of Mexico, I believe, as told by the people of Idaho. <laughs> by way, of- <laughs> it does star Juan Negro, so it, that that does make sense. When we were doing the voting for for acting, Itumama Tambien is the hardest because the two male leads, like not knowing which of the two performances to like give it yeah. to, was among the toughest awards this year so far. I, I lean towards thinking Gabriel Guy Garcia. I hope that's is that the right three Gs. Uh, but I think I've just seen him yeah. more often. I've only seen Diego Luna in this and as. Not Poe Dameron. What's the other? What's his name? The other Poe Dameron. Casador. Nova Casadore. I don't know. Rogue One. But, I mean, <laughs> so as Rogue that, One, what that does mean is that you know his range more. You know, like you know how different this performance was than other performances yeah. of his. But yeah, I mean, like I, I really don't think that either one of them are typically like the people that they played. I hope not. Um, no, I think they're both uh, like I described Greg earlier: empathetic, thoughtful. Although I do think that um, that that diving board thing was just behind the scenes. Yeah, they, they got real pissed when they realized that was in the movie. I am so hey. uncomfortable with how much we're talking about E2 right well, now. Let's talk about Mulholland Drive a bit. Um, I This is the movie that I, I seriously think about every day. I think I literally, since we've watched this movie, I've literally thought is about it. Is it mostly, it can I pull day. off Billy Ray Cyrus's mullet? Honestly, one big thing was we talked about the scene where Naomi Watts had to masturbate crying and how that like sh- that was upsetting to her. You know, oddly, I would think about that. I don't think the movie can lose that scene. I think that move that scene kind of is what the in, like is a microcosm of the entire movie. She's she's just there alone crying and masturbating at the same time. Isn't that the entire thing? Like the whole movie is also her own kind of masturbatory like fantasy that's also she's so upset yeah but the fact that he picked masturbating instead of like uh burning yourself with cigarettes or something else that maybe could have worked is because it's just it's a classic close 
magician. You know, like uh, I'm going to throw this thing at you, and you're only going to focus on this. And while you're doing that, because yeah, it's it, we don't see a lot of women masturbating in movies. While you're focusing on that, right? Uh, Not nearly right. enough. Not enough. I think. Good job, yeah. gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be doing six other things, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be manipulating right. six other emotions behind your initial one, which is hello, Naomi Watts. And I, I think if it was cigarette burning, we would roll our eyes more right. and be like, "Uh, fucking lame." Like it is shocking in so many ways, and then so much emotion is going on at the same time that it tricks dummies. And since one of the interpretations of what is going on is that she is deluding herself into believing that the love of her life who she had killed is still alive and that we watch the movie be that self-delusion, then her masturbating just seems like particularly fitting in that right. way. I mean, like... Like you said, it means the whole I don't thing typically, is. when I'm jerking off, think about uh, the exact perfect sex that I have with my wife that I actually got to have. I think about other insane things. Like, that's the that's the time, right? That's where you're <laughs> supposed to go off and think about whatever you want. That's yeah. the time. You think about how... F- Low is your phone battery. Will the shower water hit it? And can you get electrocuted that, that way? And then I just jerk off seriously. <laughs> the danger of it all. Well, there we talked about Mulholland Drive. Are you happy I mean, now? Yes, I think all of all of this segment is us trying to avoid thinking about who. I don't fight. understand this bracket. Either one of these two could have been Donnie Darko. This is fucking bullshit. Yes. Yeah, the way they lined up is hard. I, I do have to say, I think Mulholland Drive is in contention for me for my favorite movie. I So even though I, this is my favorite director, and I think it might be his best movie, I think of all the movies we've seen, of all the movies that we've talked about and said how much we've liked, I think Mulholland Drive is... I sort of am right there with Greg. Like, I, I, this is probably giving up way too much. Like, only one of us should think this. That, that, that was our suspense, <laughs> yes. but uh, I... I was I was gonna go because I I got that vibe from the two of you so I was gonna try to go in the middle so pretend Ryan hadn't talked yet I think the the level of humanity could go either way guys. the level of humanity and nuance that is in E two and how he mixes American Pie and does talk about close up magic and hides like a novel's worth of history of a country's history in there is I think this is one of the best movies ever uh, uh, yeah and there's less artsy fartsy that's bullshit. what makes it so cruel. Remember that one really long shot on the uh, at the the beach mm-hmm. bar? That's another thing. I I've been thinking about that like a lot since we watched the movie because it's like it's so um, unassuming and yet so. Mike, based impressive. on what you just said, right. I think that this movie is a great example of um, like it could be your first serious movie that you've ever watched mm-hmm. where you're start, mm-hmm. like things are starting to click and you're like, wait a second, I think things are about other things. But if you've seen <laughs> 3,000 movies, all of that shit works as well. You know, like it, it's there for yeah. you, but it doesn't make you mad yeah. if you've already seen a bunch of movies. Yeah, it's not Baby's first right. smart movie. All right. We need a vote. Ryan? Uh, it, this, fu- this, is, this is stupid. It's Mulholland Drive, but uh, this, is, this is the movie that I've seen the most out of the eight. This is the movie that, like, uh, uh, like I love watching every era that I go through, like rewatching and seeing how I think about it differently. This, it's a perfect movie, but I have to go with Mulholland Drive. I will vote now to pretend there's suspense. I think it's E2, Mama Tambien. Oh, shit. Greg, it's up to you. 
Yeah, it's not like a slam dunk in in any way or anything like that. It, it's the reason we choose to do brackets is so that we'll have weird matchups like this. If we didn't want to have stuff like this happen, we wouldn't do it this way. But it's for me, it's Mulholland Drive. Uh, I, I again, it's nothing against Itu Mama Tambien. This is Itu Mama Tambien might be like the second or third best movie we've ever done for this show, but. Definitely the best one is probably Mulholland Drive. So, you know, it, it's like it, this could have been Donnie Darko. It could have been any of the other ones. But eventually, they would come head to head. Yeah. this was going to have to face down. You know, these movies were going to face off it at some point, And it was always going to go this way. And also, mind. do you know who else would pick Mulholland Drive? It's Corone. Like, he is not upset about what's going on right now. He's just... Well, that's ego, man. And he doesn't have one. He's yeah. so good. And that's why... Uh, I'm going to vote three times and he's going to move on. Uh, we're going to take a Ooh. quick break. And when we <laughs> come back, more awards. Your next award. Best Supporting Actor. Ryan. Mike. Does it surprise you? That's how I think of you. Oh. you. On these. Okay. Well, I, I feel like that uh, you're the best supporting actor to me in your own life. No, but I'm the director. Greg's the lead. You're the I'm the leading actor. lady. Mike, would it surprise you that only... One person was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Motions 11, and that person is Elliot Gould. <laughs> for who I am, that makes fucking perfect sense. I'm a Gould gal, and <laughs> I want to watch so much more with him in it all the times. And I do think he carves out in ways that they can all kind of fold into each other. I think you're getting the performances you expect out of every other dude in the movie, and he's the only one that's honestly punching above his way yeah. like you know everyone else is giving you what you would expect and you have high expectations of george clooney and brad pitt and matt damon but they don't really they're never they're not like stretching it's not even to be charming they're not working yeah. overtime or anything like that he is though he's putting in a real performance and and punching above his weight i feel like, like he's doing a parody yeah, of that type of person like hollywood producers but also i get this feeling uh-huh. that, that he's also doing a parody of himself you know i, I think there's a little right. bit of uh-huh. Elliot gould in that character in in his later career, it feels like often he's doing that. And as a kid, I didn't know that because as a kid, I think I was introduced to him as Ross and Monica's dad, Mr. Geller. But with yeah. this and that, he is just playing all of the gouldness of Mash, and then not the Big Sleep. Is it the Big no. Sleep? His detective movie, like, the Altman one, is yeah. It's it's Marlowe, but the Long Goodbye. Yeah, the Long Goodbye. The the blank blank. I would I would have loved to see Carl Reiner get nominated and. Yeah, I based on our rewatch, I sort of thought that Andy Garcia was going to get nominated. Really, I, I sort of think that he really? did way more in that movie than I ever noticed before. But you know what I think was counting against him there? The character is so unctuous and awful <laughs> that I think honestly, he's too good at his job. Yeah, you, you overdo it. Uh, and that whole like that whole thing that like I'm very rich and so I dress well, but what I'm going to do is also fold in like Japanese. Cl- You're not getting nominated if you do that shit. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> uh, Mike. Your next nominee is Jude Law from AI Artificial Intelligence. Yeah, one of the best parts of this movie. Heck yeah. Uh, and one of the biggest reminders, like, how great Jude Law can be. Like we talked about on the Patreon show. So giving away some stuff for free right now. Hey, wait, uh, hang on. You owe us a dollar. How how he mixed uh, just enough roboticness, like just enough of the twitches and things to make you remember, but not too much. Just a little cartoon. Not like the, that one little girl from Small Wonder. It was just very clearly a robot the entire time. 
She would lift the couch above her head with one arm to vacuum under it. That's clearly a robot. robot Neighbors, you have any? You you don't have any questions about what's going on right there? That's insane. How much she bench, bro? (laughs) That's my question. Eight couches. One also to remember at Jude Law. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Unearthly though, perfectly unearthly in this movie. So yeah. like almost too beautiful, which is yeah, because he's a robot. Part of his performance. Uh, speaking of that shit, Greg, not that you're so beautiful, but the nominee is it's Ian McKellen from Lord of the Rings. I think the first time that movie title has been brought up tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, it seriously, is. we watched that this year, guys. We did. It was the first one of the season, I believe, and we we were like, yeah, movie definitely but he's probably the best part of it right i mo- most of this movie remains intact in terms of it's still as enjoyable now as it was back in the day it's silly but it owns itself and at the core of all of it i think is his performance and how lovingly he treats one of you know fantasy's most important characters both ian oh i thought you were gonna say frodo like how, how yeah, the character of the way he treats frodo he picks him up like a little baby and holds him and that's not both ian and gandalf Seem like they're having a blast. And that is definitely uh, part of what you're missing from, let's say, Sir Alec Guinness in Star Wars. You know, like, he was angry yeah, the like, whole time what he's the there. fuck did I do? I don't want to be in this stupid fucking movie. <laughs> it's also, I think, arguably, that movie does ask for range from quite a few of its actors. Not your Pippi. Your Longstockings. Uh, Merriweather. Pippin. But Ian is the only one who rises to that ask. He's like, oh, you want range? I'll show you that range. It doesn't break you out. Where I'm like, oh, Elijah Wood hasn't really learned how to act yet. That's interesting. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely... I, I like this movie a lot more than I thought I would when we rewatched it, but he was definitely the guiding light. Uh, Greg, your next nominee is from The Piano Teacher. It's Benoit Magamel, who maybe we could make an argument for lead actor, but he's yeah. here in supporting as the young blonde kid who steps into a world. Uh. He his performance is good because you never know what's real with him, and or performative, or yeah. So you never know the character himself, like how much malice he has. There, what is up for grabs in that movie is that he is either an extraordinarily bad man, or he is extraordinarily unaware of the consequences of his actions. Or he is both of those things, and actually, that's just pretty normal for your average dude. Yeah, and he I like think it's the danger of being young yeah. and handsome, blonde white yeah. dude. And he like, and he he he's never before this relationship. He never had to think about consequences, and everything he did was seen as good. But because it was vanilla and bland, and he's now in a more complicated situation, I mean, if, and kind of crumbles. If it under. was never for Isabel Huber. If like that teacher was not at this school, he just would have banged his way through. The, the yeah. students and never thought twice, right? That's just what... And would have been fine. I think he eventually would have sought out someone like her because he would have gotten sick of just the normal conquests. I think he kind of was looking for someone broken that he could be sort of extra cruel to. And so he would have found somebody else at some and point. And a challenge. Like, as far as women go, and maybe as far as all parts of his life go, like he has probably never been challenged. And Yeah. Mike, your final nominee for Best Supporting Actor is Justin Thoreau from Mulholland Drive. This feels like the role Thoreau was born to play. Like, he just does, unfortunately, look the way he looks. So, Hollywood douche is. Where Although, he's at. I have to say, and, real quick, uh, he looks this handsome in Mulholland Drive. And then by the time we get to the leftovers, he was like, no, I'll be handsome and ripped as fuck. I'm also going to put in the work to just be <laughs> fucking perfect. 
and it helps that in the leftovers he is like modern hand, hand like timeless handsome where here he is so goddamn early 2000s like there's no way when it came out people probably weren't like oh look at his glasses he's a douchebag but now in hindsight watching it he's only ever going to be a dick but he's more pathetic than controlling and that makes him intriguing to watch yeah he is like a weird instrument of forces that he'll never quite understand (laughs) and so watching him go through that and sometimes have confidence sometimes feel like Mm -hmm. he's on top of the world but often he's just absolutely getting just kicked in the shins by the world and watching him go through that in a way that is almost apart from the rest of the story of the movie like this is almost like the b plot of the movie it just it's it, it's a it's a weird performance and it's quite it's kind of hard actually to rate it against other performances because it is just a like sort sort of an absurd well, role. I th- yeah, it's we need to breathe in between like the psychosexual hardcore drama of <laughs> the rest of the movie. So let's just watch this goofy guy go about like just watch his life get joyously ripped away from him. I think that the FYC moment is and we probably talked about this on our episode, but the FYC moment is where he's called out and he has to talk to the the cowboy or. Yes, dude. The guy is and the cowboy. The cowboy is like, uh, you need to do this and say this. And Thoreau starts the scene of like, all right, whatever, whatever you say. Like, uh, uh, cool, you're a weirdo, and that's fine. And then, like, throughout the course of the scene, starts to realize, like, you know what? I'm actually fucking in trouble, and maybe my my constant glibness is going to get me fucking killed. Maybe I should stop. Because like, who is this yeah. guy? Like, who are you really yeah. talking to right now? This cowboy might be something mystical. He, he dresses like a moron, but the way he talks is scary. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, your nominees are Elliot Gould from Ocean's Eleven, Jude Law from AI Artificial Intelligence, Ian McKellen from Lord of the Rings. It, it's not Benoit, right? Is it Benoit? It's Benoit, like yeah. Yeah, like the yeah. balls. It's a yeah, French-Canadian name, I think. Benoit Magabel from The Piano Teacher and Justin Thoreau from Mulholland Drive. Where do we think this is going to land? I guess... I think it's going to be Piano Teacher. That movie just has like great performances mm-hmm. written all over it. Like They all contribute to each other, and I think they're all going to like boost from the synergy. Virtuoso. But what... <laughs> What about the fact, though, that like sometimes you will win the supporting awards when you sort of outshine your movie? You know, like I think mm-hmm. Ian McKellen was so much better than everything else in the movie that what if it's the gap that? Get- and if yeah, Lord of the Rings is going to take anything, yeah. isn't this, <laughs> this gonna? Is this is gonna be it. We so. don't have visual effects so. <laughs> or best ring lord. Uh, your nominee or your winner is also best visual effects would would win, would go to AI. <laughs> that's true it's jude law from ai artificial intelligence oh good for you mr law i had this this feeling deep in my heart and part of it is because he uh he made 50 movies in three years that jude law might have a lot of moodies on his shelf by the time we're all done with this show i think that the three of us are sort of into his shit yeah we're followers of the law he breakers. there is just something so charming but also kind of scary about his performances Jude, please come on down to Sunny Burbank, California, pick up your award and your lifetime supply of caramel popcorn. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, more battles. Your next battle is the Hollywood Heavy Hitters, big old popcorn flicks. Your number two seed, Fellowship of the Ring, versus your number ten seed, Ocean's Eleven. 
What the f- this bracket fucking sucks, dude. This bracket <laughs> fucked us. Franchise starters. I don't give a shit. Put Royal Tenenbaums back. Yeah, in. could you imagine Royal Tenenbaums could be in? E2 Mama Tambien could be in. To me, this. You guys is- don't think there's a clear winner in this one? Uh, uh, honestly, like I don't know. To me, this is a battle of uh, a blockbuster that I've seen a billion times and know by heart and love versus something that I like. I I always shied away from and talked a little bit of shit on. But when we watched Lord of the Rings for the podcast, I had a really good time. I don't know. I don't know. But this is not a slam dunk to me. This is definitely not a slam dunk for me. This is like one of the most important movies for me ever, uh, which is uh, Lord of the Rings. Ocean's and Ocean. then a movie you that I think I feel like I have continually liked a little bit less than everybody else. Not that I think they're bad. I think they're good and I really enjoy them. But I've just always gotten the feeling that I like each of them just a little bit less than almost everybody else. <laughs> so it's like that that really evens the the score for me, you know? Where I, I came in with exactly the same where I'd seen both of these years and years ago and not much before and went, oh, I remember them being pretty good and had such different reactions watching them now for this show where I'm like, I can see the the thought into Ocean's Eleven, and in Lord of the Rings, I feel like I just see the flaws. But I gotta say, though, this might be a perfect battle because I don't know if we've ever watched any movies in the history of Movie of the Year uh, we've that watched try, to movies, say, Ryan, in the try to say less than these two movies. Like They, yeah, really, they are like, so uninterested in saying anything important. I don't want you guys to learn anything <laughs> about the time that it was made or uh, humanity or like just look at the shit that we did. Yeah. These movies are just like, isn't popcorn... And cola, great. That's what they're trying to say the whole time. I mean, honestly, especially Lord of the Rings has almost, uh, like, it, not only does it not have a good message or, like, any value, it has, like, sort of a terrible message, which is, like, you know, there is such a thing as ultimate evil, and we can all just decide to be good and face it down. And if we just do that, there's no, like, gray area. Right. Versus if we're doing this, Ocean's Eleven, I do think Andy Garcia is a more scary and nuanced villain than Sauron because he has humanity mm-hmm. and desire instead of just being like, I am the devil. I'm a big fire eye. Can you imagine if those two teamed up? Dude. <laughs> they would hate each other. <laughs> the, Honestly, I just don't know who, I would watch who's that the, sitcom. Dude, who's the alpha, right? Is it the guy that's basically a big tower or the guy that collects art? It could be either one of them. Yeah, like, Sauron is not a character. Like he's barely a force of nature because he works through Saruman and the Urukai and stuff. Like they at least get to to stretch out. Like I don't know this guy's motivation other than that's a big choice. Kill everybody. Like that comes obviously straight from the books. But what a that's a very interesting choice. We are big bad guy. Never really mm-hmm. says anything except he does occasionally go. I see you, but he never <laughs> articulates his plans. <laughs> Is he and I like I want to uh, I want to go slow here so I get this terminology right because I'm not like super involved in this like you two are but is he the DM of this movie and he just keeps flinging shit at the main characters like uh, how about Feels like that how about this now he's yeah he's just he's just malevolence I mean he just is like the the aspect of malevolence because he's not even particularly good at any of his plans or like <laughs> I mean none of it's really working his main number one guy instantly betrays him like. And not goes to the other side, but kind of starts working as his own force. Right, <laughs> is wants to be different. It, it'd be it'd be a more it'd be a better story if there was no Sauron. And plus, their names are way too fucking confusingly similar. Yeah, and there was just Saruman. It's like there's a uh, Tyrion and a Tyrant Tyron. Tywin. Like those are too close. Yeah. 
Did you Come got, on, guys. Speaking of that, did you guys ever get confused that uh, Sauron is the big bad of Lord of the Rings, but also an X-Men villain who's just like a nerdy pterodactyl man? <laughs> I'm a half dinosaur. <laughs> my bones are hollow. And I'm pretty sure that was my first Sauron. So I always got confused why this Sauron never shrieked at people how he'd rule everything and flew away. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like, like you're doing the opening credits of the Sauron reality show. I'm a half dinosaur and life is weird for me. <laughs> you're probably wondering how I got into this mess. And the other Sauron is just like, I, I see things. I don't want to see them. I, I am a pillar them. of flame. I used to be a cool looking guy in a cool armor, in cool armor, but that was before this story. So I won't be looking like that anymore. It was rad. My, Greg's genre is like uh, elves and uh, ogres. And my genre is uh, Las Vegas casino heist. Uh, so putting that aside, do you guys think it comes down to the directors? Who is better at this, Soderbergh or Jackson? At like big old Hollywood, yeah, and that—that's I, I think what Jackson is so good at is because he came from that weird like splatter gore type horror. Is when he can hide the weird in Hollywood, and this it felt like there's so much money that he just didn't get a chance to do that. Like he was afraid, even though there wasn't that much oversight, he was afraid to play around with their money. One of the scenes that we, have, the three of us have talked about the longest in the history of movie of the year is uh, Dr. Octopus's surgery. Uh-huh. Remember? Because we, uh-huh. we got to ha- see Sam Raimi just go off right. in this big budget Hollywood thing. And we did that on the Lord of the Rings show. I think it was uh, the the mud ogre babies. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, like yeah. where it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's Peter Jackson <laughs> going back to his DNA. <laughs> he invented that. Is it time? Are we going to do it? I, th- I think it's time. We'll start with you, Greg. I still don't know. I I have to be true to myself. And for me, it is Lord of the Rings. Fellowship of the Ring. This is my favorite of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, in I don't even feel like many of the original trilogy hold up very well anymore. So this one represents the entire property for me. And I think it should move forward. What is the common theory? Like, is there the Godfather Part Two that everyone has just decided is the best? I think everybody thinks that the... I don't know, actually. I guess I think that everybody thinks the second one is the best. The second one has some of the best battles and then also kind of ends neatly. The third one is the one that... And that's where, like, Gimli and uh, Legolas come alive. Yeah, totally. And then um, for the third one... it's like murder hounds. Instead of, like, counting up all the people they killed, which is who they are in the first (laughs) one. Instead of saying how they... Like, who they killed, they should say how they killed them. I shot one through the eye. I stabbed one through the neck. I chopped off one's arm, and he wriggled on the ground as he bled to death. Okay, very cool. Friendship! (laughs) That is (laughs) high-fiving after every time. Will, I think it's not even close that how much better Lord Ocean's Eleven, that these performances are better, they're human, they're nuanced, even though they're also as fantastical. This is not a grounded movie. These are fantasy archetypes just in a different way. But I find it so much more watchable. I think that uh, the reason I'm going to go with the thing I'm going to go with is because of the director's thumbprint and how paid by numbers it doesn't seem, and how many times I've seen movies like Ocean's Eleven that don't have a clear auteur's voice, and they just suck. I think that uh, uh, the movie is all about star power, and it has a ton of stars, but I think the way that Soderbergh made Ocean's Eleven, I have to go with Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven moves on. See you in hell, fellowship of the <laughs> ring. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more awards. <laughs> Your next award is one of my favorite character you'd most want to hang out with. Yes. 
And Take it away, Ryan. It's important to know that it says most. It's not like definitely want to. It's like we have to pick one of you these. You have to pick one. And it's, this is not in the Oscars because they are cowards. Yeah. They don't yeah. have the – they can't nut up and just give somebody this award. Greg, your first nominee is from E2 Mama Tambien. It's Chewy. Dude, okay. Here's why Chewy is important for me. Like, first of all, uh, very inexpensive, like, services, right? He knows all the good places to go and get beer. He knows, like, all the different features of the coast in the area. He knows, like, where to go. And also, he'll, like, take you in his boat. And then Chewy lets you decide. How much do you want Chewy to be a part of the experience? <laughs> yes. Like, if this you're not going to talk to Chewy, Chewy's not going to talk to you. But if you start talking to Chewy, Chewy's in. He's going to bring his family, and you're going to start <laughs> hanging out with Chewy and his friends. And that's and just like he'll what. He'll give you beds, laugh when he finds out you had a threesome. That's He's just always a real cool with everything, dude. Yeah, that's always what you want in that situation. Is there a weird sort of class element to it? Maybe, but still, Chewy, good guy. I, the three of us have been on a couple of vacations, uh-huh. and when we run into people that we think might be chewy, uh, very quickly we learn that they want two or three hundred dollars, and they're going to be dick bags. Uh-huh. Chewy is just like fucking. Let's do this. If you just like help me raise my babies for like two hours, then <laughs> I just don't want to hold the kid for a bit. Is that I'm, okay with you? I'm going to give you awesome food and show you awesome things for like a dollar ninety five. Yeah, so little that it's like even weird <laughs> that I would charge you this. Mike, I cannot believe this person has a moody nomination under his belt at this point on his resume. It's Gene from Mulholland Drive. Gene from Mulholland Drive. Is this Billy Ray Cyrus? This is Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray. He handles Justin Thoreau walking in on Billy Ray fucking Justin Thoreau's wife so well and calmly. Like, he's just a, he seems like, I bet in not a shitty situation, he'd be a cool guy to be around with. I think the whole gauge of how good of a person you are is your ability to. How do you deliver the phrase "Come on, bro"? Yeah, right. Like, you're. I know I wronged you, but you're overreacting right now. Just don't be a dick. And he doesn't put him down to hurt him. He just puts him down to stop the violence that's going on. I like him. I'd <laughs> hang out with him. <laughs> I would definitely hang out with him. Greg, the next nominee is the Radish Spirit from Spirited Away. Okay, now I know it's easy to be like, why would anybody want to hang out with the Radish Spirit? But he's very chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the number one thing with Radish Spirit is you just have to be like, you have to recognize that he's a spirit and that that like commands a lot of respect. If you respect Radish Spirit, Radish Spirit will respect you <laughs> and just be a cool dude to hang out with. Mike, what do you think? What do you think about this? Uh, hanging out with this dude. I mean, yeah, he's just like, he's a cool-looking, big, quiet guy. I love it. He's kind just going to add energy, fill the room. Kind of scary, but, but like, yeah, so nobody's going to fuck with you yeah. right now with Radish Spirit. But he's only going to be pleasant to be around. I bet he'll buy a few rounds at the bar. It's the body confidence. I love the fact that, like, yeah. he, he doesn't think that he has to be thin for anyone. Like, uh, I'm sorry, can you barely fit in the elevator right now? That's just how God made me. Real you know, radishes like- have curves. <laughs> I love That's my curvy true. radish. <laughs> Mike, your next nominee, he was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but here he is. It's Saul Bloom. And keep in mind that uh, this is the three of us and this nominee hanging out. What is a hangout like with me, you, Greg, and Carl Reiner from Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing we're at the horse track and we sure, are of course. peppering him with questions and he's getting so frustrated that we don't understand how betting on horses works. <laughs> <laughs> 
but so we're we betting are, on the best looking horse right <laughs> we are rolling I, it, like i the three of us have hung out with old men before and it's always them talk telling us what big pussies we are and we're just giggling the whole time <laughs> <laughs> every time pussy Every time I hang out with an old man, it's always like training for when I'm going to be an old man yeah. next week. So <laughs> it's always like you're taking notes and everything. All right, I got to be grumpy about this. Got to hitch my pants up this high. <laughs> it, I think it'd be a blast. This hangout is hard for me because I, I, I think for some reason, I think that Carl Reiner will come out and I want to fucking bit with Carl Reiner. I think that would be super fun. Yeah, you'd be. It's when people are like, "Oh, great, we're gonna hang out with Andy Kaufman," and they had to deal with Tony Clifton. You will right. be let down because at no point will Carl Reiner come out. It's just Saul. He, although he might do the thing where he pretends to have a heart attack just to get away. That's a fun bit. Greg, do you know who the final nominee is for a character you want to hang out with? I know who I hope it is. Who do you hope it is? I hope it's Teddy from the hit movie AI: Artificial Intelligence, starring Teddy. <laughs> All right, Greg, me, you, Mike, Teddy, summer trip. Well, how does that go? Here's what I like about Teddy. If you ask Teddy what he is, he'll tell you he's a sentient conscious being that wants like his own rights. But Teddy looks like a teddy bear. So everyone just <laughs> treats him like a teddy bear. But if you say to Teddy, like, hey, you're a toy, he says, I'm not a toy. Uh, if you like disregard Teddy, you, like he'll get offended. And he like says existential things like, we are in a cage. <laughs> but he looks like an adorable you know what it is he's like kind of like the anti winnie the pooh anti paddington like he looks like a nice kind bear but really everything he's gonna say is like if you cut yourself you'll at least feel something and that's just <laughs> yeah. so adorable i don't i mean that's fun but i don't know if i want the three of us and teddy to walk into a strip club in like miami and have him be like aren't we all just whoring ourselves out for money like i don't want to think about anything <laughs> no, you're saying that because he would get all the attention and you would get oh, you would get sure. no because laughing. of his soft fur yeah i don't even care about the fact that like the the deus ex machina about teddy where like oh remember that hair from like two <laughs> hours ago I, I created a pouch and held it there uh <laughs> the thing that i think about with teddy is when uh david is trying to eat vegetables and teddy literally puts his hand out and says don't dude what are You'll you doing break. yeah uh so uh, the three of us and Teddy are fucking partying up during the summer. Uh, uh, Cabo, let's say. Cabo. And Greg's doing his typical thing of uh, you know, doing heroin. And <laughs> Mike is bungee Classic jumping Greg. without the bungee. And then Teddy's That's just there. jumping, y'all. Yeah. Teddy's there to be like, no. Mike, are you sure you want to do that? We don't You'll... need that on vacations. No, You'll that's break. not what vacation's all about. Your nominees are Chewy from Itumama, Gene or Billy Ray Cyrus from Mulholland Drive, The Radish Spirit from Spirit Away, Saul Bloom from Ocean's Eleven, and Teddy from AI Guys. How- Chewy, Chewy, How's this Chewy. Go down? Yeah. The one I want to actually hang out with is Chewy, for sure. Your winner is... It's The Radish Spirit. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so cool, dude. We're going to fucking hit the spa. Soon as COVID is over, yeah. as long as there's nothing that's bad for radishes, we, the three of us, Mr. Radish here, and you know what? We're embracing his body positivity. We're just going full European style in the baths. Embracing? I'm angling towards that. I want to have <laughs> his whole thing, which is being fatter. <laughs> yeah, you need to look more radishy. So, Radish Spirit, come on down for your weekend getaway. Not just three rad. of us. Rad ish. Your let's you, you guys want to just dive right into the next one, the kind of anti who you most want to hang out with award. I mean, the next award is uh, who won two thousand one. You want to just reveal that right now? No, that's not the next award, Ryan. Oh, the next is one is uh, Mayor Dickbag of Shit Town. It's the who is the biggest Mayor Dickbag of Shit Town, <laughs> aka biggest shithead. 
Now, Mike, as we do on every finale, we have to tell people that we don't have a villain. We have Biggest Shithead. Uh, what is the difference? Uh, biggest Shithead could be just a rando. It's not like the best antagonist. It's somebody truly loathsome to be around. Okay, Sauron is the the, the, villain. the villain, but Saruman is obviously the biggest shithead. a huge shithead, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely but not. he's not even the winner of Biggest Shithead. No, no, yeah. there's a bigger shithead in that movie, yeah. That movie has a, a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> your first nominee for Biggest Shithead. Just like, what the fuck? Oh, uh, the example that I always like to use is that Alan Rickman is the villain of Die Hard, Pop Filter Hall of Famer, and fucking Cokehead Bureau is the yes. shithead of Die Hard. That, Alex, is, that is the perfect example, yeah. Um, your first nominee is Chihiro's parents from Spirit Away, not villains, just shitheads. Just shitheads. Yeah, the whole like, hey, we just found this food in an abandoned theme park, and now we're gonna eat it until that's we're literal move. pigs. Yeah, it's a that's... weird move, guys. Also, your daughter's scared to go in this broken tunnel that is obviously haunted, and you're like, that's eh, fine. You can stay here if you want, is what they say to her. I'll just well, drive eighty kilometers per hour down this embankment. Come with us through this tunnel. We'll protect you. It'll be fine. Stop being scared. Oh, my God. Bowls of sausage. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I could go for some bowls of sausage right now, actually. Mike, your next nominee is Kitty Farmer from Donnie Darko. Oh, man. This is this is the proto-Karen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, Before geez. they were Karens, they were Kitty. Just I like... just question your devotion to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> yeah. The, she's always going to question your devotion to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> she's going if- to... If Will Smith did a end of uh, end of the movie end credits rap for Donnie Darko, that's that's the <laughs> one of the lines, right? Yes, definitely. Uh, she's gonna instead of what she should be teaching, which I think is Jim. Yep. She's gonna talk about fear, love, fucking MLM bullshit. <laughs> Just yeah, the she's fear, the worst. Love dichotomy. I worry that you're straying to the side of fear. And just so judging everybody else's business. This actress who was very talented, uh, I do think got this Karen stamp put on her. Like everything that she's in, she's just that person. She, uh, she not only is she Dwight's babysitter, but I think she's responsible for uh, like she complains the most on the speed bus. And then gets blown up first. <laughs> I love when someone has to die in a movie and they only have like three minutes to prove that it's not that big a deal that they're dead. Yeah. Like, yes, it is sad, but not like as sad as it would be if they hadn't been so annoying. Greg, your next nominee is Martin. Martin from All right, AI, cool. Artificial Intelligence. Oh, that one. No, yeah. bad. Uh, and uh, you know I think he's very important for the movie because he stands for how awful they really have become the parents are kind of vapid but they try to act mostly okay to David Mm -hmm. it's this kid Martin that is a sign that like not only have people they don't have respect for robots they're actively constantly antagonizing robots and we see that through him and this kid does a pretty good performance because I want to fight him, and I'm not talking. <laughs> I'm not talking about the version of him that's now an adult. That's not who I want to throw down with. I want to throw down with this guy as a kid. And if and someone could still be frozen, so we can <laughs> hit him easier. <laughs> I want to fight Coma Martin. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I at least want the kid that's wearing the leg braces. I don't want a full fledged kid with all that energy and and a, and a healthy body. <laughs> Is this the hardest we've ever gone off on a movie character who spent a lot of the movie in a coma? Yeah, this probably. has to be the record, right? <laughs> yeah. Normally, they they make those characters good, and this guy's a piece of shit. Here's the thing, though. Uh, besides, like his overall tone of voice, at one point he says, "Hey, robot, break this toy." That's that's just what kids do. Uh, at the pool party, he's like uh, trying to get his friends off him, saying, "Like, hey, yeah. stop treating David like that." Like he's not just all bad all the time. No, but but he is a fucking like, shithead. Ryan. I'm allowed to treat him like shit. 
you're not allowed to treat him like shit. Yeah, and that whole break this toy thing was very clearly trying to get him in trouble. And he basically yeah. said, go attack mommy with a knife. And we don't yeah. stab mommy. If the, the toy thing seems childish, it seems like that's what kids do. If David had broke the toy, then the, the, that would have been it. But he didn't do it. And then Martin jumped up immediately to go put scissors next to my mommy's face and cut her hair. <laughs> yeah. Your next nominees, guys, and like, oh, God, I'm pulling for this so bad. It's fucking Merry and Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Fuck these two, Mike. <laughs> yeah, these are the ones we said there's somebody shittier than Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> they only ruin everything. They're useless. They are they so bad. the alarm. Over the course of the, the three movies, too, they never stop being like this. Oh, good. I just recently saw uh, The Magnificent Seven, and in The Magnificent Seven, there's that one not really samurai who's a big shithead. His sword is like 10 times the size of anyone else's sword, and you can just tell he's okay, all so, sword. Greg, you watched the prequel to the Western movie. Yeah. Se- seven Samurai. The Seven Samurai. Uh, and from the very first time you see this guy, you're like, oh, he's going to get somebody killed. And you watch it happen. That's the same thing as Mary and Pippin. Yeah. I don't know if they ever actually get anybody killed, but they never stop just knocking over buckets down wells. That later they find bucket scene. <laughs> later they find a crystal ball and they're like, nobody look at the crystal ball. It's evil. And uh, one of them is like, I got to look at that fucking crystal no, ball. Look at the crystal ball. <laughs> and like, and there's not even like, like that's definitely a fantasy trope. Like that halflings have that, but at least they're normally like lovable or arc a little. And because they are only annoying and selfish and do not arc. They're so, <laughs> especially, and you see in Frodo and Sam, it's like, so you could be chill. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's not like in your race to just be dipshits. Right. There's hobbits over there that are being awesome. I don't know whether to blame the writer of the novel. I don't know if this was in the novel or the screenwriter or the director or the actors, but uh, it, it reminds me of a lot of Disney movies where, you know, like Ariel does have Flounder and Sebastian. It's like they're supposed to be that, but right. instead the, the, there's never any good part. They only do stuff to make the story get worse, like to raise the stakes and nothing else. And it's the whole uh, Gilligan's Island, they would kill Gilligan. Yes. With this like hardcore like group of grizzled fighters, they would get rid of these two so quickly. There's no reason for them to be on this adventure. But I, counterpoint to that is uh, they are generally these two characters I think are loved by people. And I think it's supposed to be that they are like the fire of civilization that gets carried along. That they're not outwardly super useful at the moment, but that like by not dispensing with them, that's what change that's what makes this fellowship a fellowship and not just a, a band of butchers. Like they will carry along these guys who do little more than just like kind of delight the party. Uh, okay, then I would have not had a fellowship. I would have had a band of butchers. Like yeah, a band th- of that's what we should have been way more successful when you're trying to save all of society. Uh, yeah, uh, ultimately I think that you will find that the plan of the Fellowship of the Ring actually worked out, okay? That's why we're here today and not fucking living in Orkton or something like that, okay? Well, for Greg, I'm going to move Mary Pippin to uh away from Beshethead into the people you want to hang out with cuz you clearly love them. Greg, your final nominee is Topher Grace from Ocean's 11. <laughs> As Topher Grace. This movie knew that it was probably going a little hard with these actors, probably putting too fine a point on it. And then it saw that line and it went right over it. And then it just went as fast as it could over the line in the other direction. And these actors are so dumb. He loves it. He's game. Like Topher's like fucking, of course, actors are stupid. Let's do this. (laughs) And I love that. They didn't try to make them reasonably stupid. They made them like as stupid as the gangsters on the Sopranos are stupid. Like so dumb that you wonder how they all managed to make it to that poker game. (laughs) 
Like, yeah, how, how are they still the alive? Here? Yeah. So you're breathing on your own. That's interesting. <laughs> and he does a good job. It's it, it's definitely a part of my uh, uh, deep, crazy Topher Grace respect. Uh, mm. I really love that he did this, and I really love that, love that he was in that. What's that 80s movie? Or it's a, it takes place in the 80s. Oh, it's the name of a song. Take What's me home called? tonight. Take me home tonight. Yes, he's good in that. All right, gentlemen, your nominees are Chahiro's parents, those sausage bull eating motherfuckers, Kitty Farmer from Donnie Darko, Martin from AI Artificial Intelligence, Mary and Pippin from Lord of the Rings, and Topher Grace. Where's this going? It's got to be the the Karen, right? Yeah, I, I think just it's feel Kitty. like we Karens are having Karens. a moment. Yeah. I think that if if anybody resembles that one lady from Parks and Rec that's always up Leslie Dope's butt, then you're going to win this award, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's put that to the test. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll open. <laughs> it's Martin from AI Artificial Intelligence. Oh, man. We hate shitty little kids. <laughs> he basically tried to get his brother killed. <laughs> Everything yeah. that's wrong with the world, everything that needs to be fixed in the world is instantiated in this little kid who has really like had one bad thing happen to him, obviously, which is that he's sick, but has used it as an excuse to become, honestly, a shithead. A monster. You probably, the world would be a better place if he had died from his sickness. But Could you imagine the three of us hanging out with that kid? It would not go no. well. No, it would not. Martin, you know what? Don't come pick up your award. We'll mail it to you. Stay far, far away. The reason um, why he won the award, though, is because he is the most... This is, like, the most representative... Like, this is how humans actually... Uh, uh, yeah. I, Mike, I'm getting an email right now from the board. Uh-oh. It's it says AI is... Based on AI winning two awards tonight, Biggest Shithead and Best Supporting Actor, it is now officially eligible to take down Movie of 2001. Guys, I think AI is going to do it tonight. I hate when the board just changes the rules halfway through, even though this has never happened. It's via email. my goddamn cold robot body. Via email. No. No, sir. We're going to take a quick break and then get to your last battle of round one. Your final battle of this episode is now. And if you're paying attention, you know what the films are. It is your number three seed, Darnold Darko. Versus your number twenty-seven seed, the piano teacher. Is that the low? That's the lowest seed we've ever had, mm-hmm. right? Or highest? I guess is more accurate. Damn, was, contact right is what was contact like twenty-two. So yeah. this isn't even a near thing. I mean, it jumped over that. And, and I dang, I don't remember contact moving on to the uh, uh, from the elite eight to the final four. No, and this is a windmill. LeBron James style slam dunk where afterwards the refs stop the game and then go and see if the backboard is like slightly askew. Like has there I, ever been a slamier D? Here's the thing letterbox the image of Isabel Hubert with the ball <laughs> soaring over Jake Gyllenhaal's head and Frank's heads. Here's what we can promise Letterbox is that if you're gonna move a movie like Donnie Darko to the third seed of third. the bracket then we feel obligated to do it, to rewatch it, to like really dig into it. We owe you that. But at a certain point, you just have to say, uh, man, I, I know that you love movies that feel like that, uh, like, uh, like Zach Braff directed Harvey, but yeah. fu- <laughs> get it get it the fuck out. Man, we said a lot of mean things yeah. about Donnie Darko throughout this season, but I think you just win that award, you just Yeah, you just etherized that <laughs> movie in one sentence. It's never going to get up again. 
there's not much more to say. I mean, Donnie Darko, yeah, it was good for its own time. There were some interesting performances. It had an aesthetic, I think, or it has an aesthetic. Um, it, it's it's got like probably three really grade A music videos in there, uh-huh. <laughs> but it doesn't. Ultimately, it feels like a pretty empty experience after you start peeling past the very surface, you know, level. And I love digging into it in like in a sort of Harry Potter sort of way of like this doesn't reach me, but I love figuring out why it reaches other people you know like that's uh-huh. what we talked about a lot on the show of like what is this movie doing that's hitting people but uh it just feels so much like baby's first good movie yeah i was gonna say earlier tonight we said oh that e2 mama is not that donnie darko is fully that yeah even even as a big dumb stupid idiot in 2001 i did initially get excited about this movie but then seriously it, it was like thinking about it later where most movies are really earning their money is is like after you've seen them and you're like in the shower the next day. Right. A good movie then is like you're sitting there and you're noshing on it and you're like, wait a minute, that was a really good movie. Donnie Darko, you're like, wait a minute, that fucking sucks. Is that dumb as hell? <laughs> None of that made any sense. And honestly, if someone tried to explain it to me, I'd get angry with them. <laughs> the thing that I expected, though, the thing that's crazy about uh, Don Darko, as he's been called in... Uh, <laughs> A He's lot of emails up. from Greg recently. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I didn't expect from Don, I expected to be like, ah, it's stupid, just like I knew. What I didn't expect is for the first hour to be so spectacular, so yeah. funny and engaging and endearing, and then for the last hour, just repeatedly jam its own foot into its own mouth yeah. and butthole the entire time. And that's hurtful for your foot. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't be both in your mouth and your butthole. Like it's, that. Like, it's like a plane that's really good at everything except for landing. You know, you get it up in the air and it's doing tricks and everything and it's really flying well. And then right when it's time to land it, it just absolutely comes it's apart. It's like, oh shit, I skipped that day in school. <laughs> oh, I just made sure that it could fly. Can you imagine working so- for an airline when Greg calls to like book a trip and he's, uh, okay, so how many tricks does this plane do? Oh, zero, <laughs> then no, I will not I will not be purchasing a ticket. I mean, maybe we'll give you an extra Sprite. Is the that what you're talking about sir uh, it is now when can i get this extra spray <laughs> mike can we talk for one second about the other one how like do we have passion T-T-T? as a threesome like is like in life i you'd have to ask our wives are we stoked that we watch this movie about this movie Hell like yeah. do we... i fucking this is the movie i've thought about probably most often throughout this season really and maybe because it's the most surprising like had knew nothing about it and Having seen Funny Games, I was like, I get Haneke, and this is so different, and I think hits harder and weirder than Funny Games does. Uh, yeah, I think this movie is crazy. It also um, reminds you of the inherent power that a filmmaker has, and mm-hmm. you know how much it, power is at their discretion whether to wield or not. And he wields an awful lot of it, and I, th- I think that was like made this experience a little awe-inducing. Is I. I don't think I understood film in quite the way that I do now just from watching one of his movies because it felt like he could do or make anything happen. And that sort of power like is scary almost as a member of the audience. There was things that you see in this movie that I really didn't want to see. And right. yet I still <laughs> agreed to go along and and watch it all. And that's an interesting experience in retrospect. And and plus, since seeing Elle a few years back, anything with Isabelle Hubert, yeah, uh, she's an all time here for it. Uh, yeah, it sort of makes me want to uh, start a rule for future booty seasons, and it, it, we would call it the come and see rule. Of for every bracket we do, there's got to be some movie where like I'm 
frothing at the mouth because I haven't seen it yet, and you guys are like, I I've never heard of it. I don't give a shit. And then mm-hmm. we just let's just include one fucking yes. thing. You know? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Because that, that's been the best parts of doing the show has been being exposed to movies like this. Even though this movie and Come and See is the perfect example, it's fucking awful. Hard watch. Yeah, Hard like watch. I mean, it's a great movie, <laughs> but the experience of watching it is like miserable, <laughs> literally miserable. So we don't need to vote. The piano teacher moves on. Yes, sir. <laughs> Double D, you you made it this far, and isn't that grand? Uh, that is part one of the 2001 season finale of movie of the year. Next week. When we come back, it'll be the final four. And then should we hint at the awards to come so people get real stoked? I can say them right now. Say them. Uh, we have Best Sex and Best Violence. Yeah, the, uh, hell yeah. America. The American One-Two Punch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best On-Screen Duo. Best Musical Moment. And I do think that 2001 is actually uh, better for this than a lot yeah. of other years. Uh, best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Film. Oh, we're doing that this year. Yeah, we're, we're going to pick one. <laughs> That's the show. Have a good week. And until then, keep watching those videos.